Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, talk tuners. Welcome to all of you to episode 11 of Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Hey, Talk Tuners, it's Stephanie Pena here. I hope you guys are doing well on this summer day. I'm Stephanie Myers, and we're happy to have you guys here. Uh, I know we have some new folks here, might be just discovering us. We just want to say we're glad you're here. We're here to talk about our favorite tunes. We're here to talk about our favorite stories. And thanks for sticking around. Absolutely. Thank you, old comers, newcomers, everyone in between. This is awesome. Well, hey guys, in episode 10, I mentioned that um, I was going to LA, which is a rarity for Stephanie and I to be in the same room, but we had to be together so we could celebrate our new family um, with Pantheon joining that podcast network. We're so excited. Ooh. So many great, great, great podcasts on that in that network. I mean, if you're a Weezer fan, which I know I am, been listening to Weezer since the seventh grade. Yes, I just said that the seventh grade. <laughs> um, yes, and I even went to the fan club and got uh, the blue album notes, like all of the the songs. Did you get that, Stephanie, back in the day? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I, I just love to the Amazon podcast network, man. Like yeah. these these podcasts are dope as shit. Great. So yeah, definitely check it out. And we're happy about that. So it was great seeing you, Stephanie. Um, LA was always a good time. And of course the beautiful weather. And then I come back to San Antonio and I'm like, but I love San Antonio, but I just don't like the weather. Okay. Fair. It is what it is. I love my home city. I do. Fair I San Antonio. Pero it's hot as fuck <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, Fair enough. We're still good to see you, though. We had a good time. Awesome to see you. I wonder if people all know that we uh, very typically, and this is our norm, uh, record from separate cities. I'm here in L.A. Uh, Stephanie Pena is out in San Antonio. So even to be able to share the same space uh, for a few days was really awesome. And as you can imagine, in times like this, uh, rarity, uh, which I imagine is the case for probably a lot of listeners, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was actually my first trip since the pandemic. And uh, yeah, um, thank God for vaccinations. And, you know, um, I've been hanging low since I got back. Um, yeah. yeah, I had a good time. Get vaccinated, guys. For sure. All right. So late in the news, um, <sighs> lately in the news, excuse me, there has been um, some buzz uh, from the Nirvana baby. Nirvana baby Spencer Eldon filed a lawsuit um, on the on the surviving members of Nirvana and Courtney Love, and I think also some folks from the uh, record company from Geffen. Yeah, because he never got his royalties. 
um, for being the naked baby on the cover of Nevermind, 1991's Nevermind. Um, for those folks that ha- did not hear about this, um, I'm surprised because as Nirvana is Nirvana, <laughs> everybody knows who Nirvana is, even my parents, um, you know, and uh, so the kid on the album cover, Spencer Eldon, um, supposedly did not get any royalties um, for being the, the the face of that album and um i'll let stephanie talk a little bit more about this because you have some interesting stuff yeah so it's an interesting uh case of course he's a child and as a baby ended up getting photographed um for that cover it was kurt cobain's idea and concept and they photographed about 50 babies and he chose mm-hmm. spencer um it's an interesting story and by the time this comes out I think most folks will have heard about this. We were doing some digging and just hearing there's so much involved in this lawsuit too. Yeah. Uh he had Spencer had talked a little bit about um he felt like that picture actually opened the gate for some abuse um that came his way later um That's and crazy. I don't yeah, I don't have particular insight into what uh, might happen. He'd kind of alluded to it in interviews and said, you know, this uh, visibility on sound cover made me visible to predators and other folks. And I think there's obviously also some deeper trauma um, that he had gone through. Um, connected, this may be connected to other things. So I'm um, hoping that works out for everybody, but certainly a, a story that, uh, you know, falls under the odd news uh, categories that you that you hear up in the headlines. So yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, I did my own digging and just hearing about it. I mean, obviously, you and I have no relation to Spencer Elden or Nirvana whatsoever. Um, the story is the story, but the things that we read about it, right? So, like, I read in the Times that, um, and I'd seen some pictures of him in swim trunks reenacting the album cover, and he did it willingly for the 10th, 17th, 20th, and 25th anniversaries. Um, but he was not naked again, swim trunks. Um, and then things got kind of funky supposedly recently because he, Spencer Eldon is an artist and he invited Nirvana to his show and he got butthurt because they didn't want to participate. And he's quoted by saying, um, that, you know, just a few months ago he was reaching out to Nirvana and why am I still on their cover if I'm not that big of a deal? So he was just kind of basically just butthurt. That's what I'm, I mean, that's what I hear, but regardless, either way, stuff that, that bit of info is interesting to see how this plays out. In other news, Stephanie, you just saw David Grohl. This is like our Nirvana, like, um, you know, themed chit chat opening. I did. Uh, I finally got to see the rescheduled, uh, Foo Fighters show scheduled for, um, a little over a month ago. Finally got to see them. Uh, this week, because uh, we record beforehand, you'll hear this a little bit later, but it was amazing. Uh, Dave Grohl is just, they're just so good. You know, Foo Fighters yeah, are just put crazy. on such an incredible show in every sense of the word. It was exactly what I was hoping to do. This was an all backed show at uh, the Foo Fighters Insistence. And then because of LA regulations, it was also an all masked show. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as ways to mitigate spread um felt pretty good about that yeah Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. it was uh it was really good time there was a on a side note the forum uh made me throw away my purse because they thought that it didn't meet the dimensional regulations which it did i measured it beforehand um thankfully it did have 
people from their team reached out to me after I let them know what happened that night. That's neither here nor there. More to come. Didn't let it take away from the glory of the rest of the night, however, which I'm was wonderful. Glad. Yeah, that's annoying, especially, I mean, dude, I totally get the regulations since 9-11, you know, we're, we're trying to protect ourselves, totally get it. Um, it just sucks being a lady sometimes, you need that purse, or even a man, you're saying, whatever, you're going to need to carry something sometimes. And I've been in a similar situation. So back in 2002, Tool was playing the Frank Irwin Center in Austin, and at the time I was working for 101X. And I had to go to a remote. I was a remote coordinator, so I did little mini events, gave away free T-shirts and all that shit. And I had to go to work immediately afterwards. And I roll in with a purse, and I was told the same thing. I had to, you know, throw it out or I couldn't bring it in. So I was like, man. So I ran all the way back to my car, throw the purse away. I mean, put my purse up, running back um, to the venue because I knew that Tool was going to go on within like maybe 10, 15 minutes. So I'm booking it. I'm running. I'm running real fast and I'm wearing sandals, girl. And in the middle of MLK, my fucking, one of my sandal straps busted. I'm like, holy shit. So I take the damn shoe off and I'm running one shoe across MLK, get back to the fucking theater, um, the stadium. I'm running upstairs, whatever, whatever. Shoeless Stephanie, you see a fucking trend? Remember raging against a machine stuff? Like what yeah. the fuck? What is wrong with me and shows and shoes? Does anybody else have this problem? I mean, fuck. Um, I just remember getting to my seat and being like, shit, man, I got this black foot, probably a little bloody Lord oh, knows no. you know, all the dirt and shit that's been on it. Oh, craziness. Anyway. Well, I'm glad that you didn't let that incident ruin your time at the show. Um, I heard, and I saw that Nandy Bouchel, uh, played with, you know, with the, with the band with Dave forever long, right? Yeah. So, uh, folks who might not know listener wise, She's the 11-year-old uh, drum prodigy, and she had challenged Dave Grohl last year, kind of middle of the pandemic, to a uh, drum battle on Twitter. And he uh, talked about, you know, during the concert, he was like, yeah, and I kept responding. They're like, hey, you got a, you got a rival here. And he brought her awesome. out to play Everlong, and she was, I mean, it was a very emotional thing to witness. she's incredible. She's a drum prodigy. She's, it was amazing to witness. You're thinking like, oh, she's 11. Should they give her like an easy song? Nope. Like she's out there doing Everlong. I mean, the audience was, it was electrifying to see that. So what a special treat. That's so that. cool. How cool that is they so brought cool. her on. Yes, girl. That's awesome. And you know, you think about Everlong, the song and just the music, right? Mm -hmm. The music itself. That's not an easy song to play it's not an easy so, song. and wow so check out the video um for sure of her uh, her performance she's a little badass can't wait to see her see which first band she joins or she creates right. exactly right yep get it girl so good so good <laughs> so, all yeah. right hopefully we'll oh. see her soon um so yeah, as uh, listeners may know, we are here today to talk about our memories and stories around a particular song, our tagline, of course, songs you want to forget but love to remember. And that song for you today is Mission of Burma's That's When I Reach for My Revolver. 
So wondering if folks know the song, you know, we've done some pretty top 40 songs lately yeah. too. And this mm -hmm. one, it's like, you know it or you don't, but we're here to tell you some things about the song itself and then tell you some memories uh, related to the song. It's got an interesting little backdrop to it. Um, mm -hmm. To this one, uh, just so you kind of like know about the history of Mission of Burma, it's a guitar singer, Roger Miller, bassist singer, Clint Conley, and drummer singer, Peter Prescott. And they had kind of a unofficial member, Martin Swope, he did tape loops, became like kind of a huge part of their music, became part of their own wall of sound, this layered, very distinctive sound Absolutely. that they had. Mm -hmm. Just Distinct. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome parts of this uh, post-punk scene. They were critical darlings. They'd started the band in 1979 and actually broke up for the first time in 1983. <laughs> so oh, it's drama. like they weren't, yeah, they weren't together that long. But while they were disbanded, like their star just grew and grew and kind of their own legend grew and grew. They had reunited officially in 2002. And during the time, you know, 1983, 2002, when they were gone, that fan base kept growing. Um, Ryko Disc kept them in print. Um, and they were featured prominently in the uh, classic book, Our Band Could Be Your Life. That's cool. All right. I didn't know that. Our Band Could Be Your Life. So is that like... It's a great book, uh, yeah. So it's just about different bands and their histories? It's an oral history. Um, highly recommend checking it out. It's, nice. Yeah, it runs through a number of bands, but it's absolutely classic book must for any rock fan definitely check it out it's fantastic cool. and then that's when i reached for my revolver was from their album signals calls and marches in 1981 that was written by clint conley actually and mm. featuring on that one it's clint on vocals instead of roger who did a lot of their other vocals work but this one is clint and if you uh read within our band could be your life uh clint got the phrase of the title of that song from a Henry Miller essay, the writer Henry Miller mm -hmm. originally, but she didn't know that it was supposedly first uttered by the Nazi Hermann Goring. That's uh, crazy. So, and he didn't know, right? Cause it was in the context of this, uh, this Henry Miller essay and he liked the turn of phrase. And so he had said in the, in the book, or big of your life, he had, uh, was asked about it. And he said, I wasn't, too happy to hear about that connection because um, I didn't want to be linked to that sort of thing, but it was Good. a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One-on-one. Um, and he says, but it was a phrase that had power. I had this riff to me. That's kind of the alchemy of writing songs. So he kind of figured it out later on. It's like, Oh, this traces back to this person. And uh, there's some irony in course of all of this. In fact, they're a pretty progressive band with this heavy and hearty sense of irony. So the fact that they were connected with this was kind of just this strange thing that ended up happening. So yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, craziness, craziness, craziness. Glad that um, you know he's not part of that shitty Nazi cause. So anyway, I did my own research on this as well, and so good old Wikipedia actually gave the uh, translation of the song. And basically, I mean, it's not the song of when I reached for my revolver because it was originally in German. Okay, guys, a yep. Nazi, whatever, it's German. Mm -hmm. And in the English translation is, whenever I hear the word culture, I remove the safety from my brownie. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Anyway, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, we're not going to work on that. But it's a, it's a really cool song, and obviously there's no connection to Nazi ties, so let's keep going because it's a badass song. Mission of Burma yep. is a great fucking band. Um, so, so good, in fact, this song was actually redone by Catherine Wheel. If any of those 90s hardcore, uh, you know, alternative rock folks remember Catherine Wheel, do you stuff? I know. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. band and feels yeah. like don't get mentioned as often, maybe as they should. Yeah, no, absolutely. They are a fantastic band. They kind of had their own little cult following. Well, they did a remake of this song in 92. Um, and also Moby, we all know who Moby is. So we'll go back, kick it to top 40, right? This may be a band again that nobody really knows about, but that's cool, man. It's about learning about new music and new stuff. Well, the song was so cool that Moby redid it um, in 96. And it was the first single from his fourth studio album, Animal Rights. But check it out. The song is dark. No doubt. So Moby is a top 40 artist. So Moby is trying to get paid. So what did he do? He needs it on MTV. He changed the lyrics. Totally get it. I get it. For the video. <laughs> Makes sense. And on MTV, you'll find this song as that's when I realize it's over. Still fucking dark. But you know what? Hey, it doesn't really. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a little bit of a different thing. Uh, and yeah. it's funny too, because yeah, you're right. MTV, to my knowledge, when I uh, looked at that a little bit, it was like, they'd asked him, it's like, oh, can you modify this to get airplay? Cause they're like, well, like to not have the connotations, even though it's like the song itself is not a violent song, but obviously title wise, they didn't want to be held probably responsible for anything. So exactly. it's just kind of funny. Right. Um, it is. It is. I think Tipper Gore probably has something to do with that. Anyway. <laughs> Tipper Gore and the PMRC. <laughs> Tipper Gore anyway, and the PMRC. Oh, the history of rock and roll. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So we got the opportunity to see them in 2008. And uh, I'll let Stephanie paint this picture. It was a really good show. Yeah. So we got the opportunity to see the reunited Mission of Burma. So they were at this point had reunited for a couple of years. And it was 2008. And we said, we got to go see these guys. We got to go see these guys. Uh, so they were mm -hmm. playing at one of the, to my, to my mind and for my money, one of the best show venues in Brooklyn, uh, which is the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Yeah, because it's spacious. Yeah, mm -hmm. love that venue. Love the setup. Have mm -hmm. seen many, many shows there. Um, yep. So cool. So we knew it was going to be a really good show. So both of us were big fans. I kind of constantly remember us both singing. Um, that's when I reached for my revolver, like, just all the time for no reason, like to each other, Seriously. walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> not inciting violence, guys. I mean, no, we're, we're not angry New Yorkers. No, we're no. not. It's just a good song. So I, I, I feel like I really have to keep pressing this subject here. It's not, it, it's a dark song, but it's not like. I appreciate that uh, you're clarifying this for our listeners. Uh, yeah, so they understand. <laughs> they understand. And if they, yeah, if you listen to the song, it's like you get, uh, you get its fullness, uh, but it's funny because yeah, we love the song. Uh, it was really just their star had risen just for folks to understand to where like Mission of Burma was actually on like every Brooklyn bar jukebox. Yeah, remember, it was like during you know, 2008, these time, these old artists, post-punk, punk, the ones like the underground artists that you would not hear in the top 40. We're not talking about Ramones, you know, those yeah. folks got the spotlight. Yeah. And Mission of Burma was always on. It was 
good shit. It was just fun. I mean, I learned, girl, I added so much to my music catalog living yeah. in New York during that time. Good shit. Totally. Good shit. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like they were, they were prominent. They were almost this well in Brooklyn, a household name again, but everybody yep. knew them. So it was really exciting when they were coming to music hall, it's called kind of this indie darling who in, you know, certain pockets, their star never really waned. Like they were always really big. So we go to see them, but the way uh, it's set up, it's like pretty much all a GA show. Yeah. It's all general admission. And we're probably maybe one song in to the set. And then we realize like earplugs we've brought are just going to be no match for this show <laughs> at all. We've seen hundreds of shows probably individually and collectively together. Like, yes. I mean, not, we are not, uh, <laughs> we're not novices to this space, but uh, in the words of my favorite movie, Spinal Tap, this really went to 11 <laughs> on every scale. And I've never, I can say this cause I reflect on it sometimes. I've never been to such a loud show before or since. And, and I have just really distinct memories of, you know, we're trying to, talk to each other. We're kind of like looking over each other, but not able to <laughs> what hear. Did you say? Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. We were doing oh like gosh. pantomime, couldn't hear each other the whole time. And then of course, uh, you know how that's like for afterwards, not being able to hear anything on the street afterwards either, because <laughs> the show was in our ears. So I had at that point adjusted my concert behavior to make sure that I was always wearing earplugs. I didn't used to always do that. Yes. Yeah. So, that's something you I, learn. Yeah. Once I got to this juncture, yeah. I had done that, but I always think back and I was like, that show is one of the reasons that caused me to call it like concert loss of like a little bit more hearing that night that I don't think ever came back. Oh no, uh, I absolutely believe that shit. A hundred percent. It was absolutely insane. And for this space, right. That's of course an indoor space. It's, ironically got great acoustics, but that doesn't matter when you're, when you're taking their wall of sound, like there are. Yeah, it's no match. It's a, they and need to play outside, man. So layer, yeah, for real. Yeah. It's their show is fucking badass, but there was no earplug that could have helped. And I, and honestly, somebody, I don't think I had any, I think I forgot mine. So I was putting napkins in my fucking ears because that's what I do. I mean, I am, I, you are definitely a lot better about taking care of your hearing and I'm on point now and even oh, working man. in like past concerts. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm fucking deaf. It's not cool. Yeah. You know, I have to listen to the TV super loud. Jeff's like, you know, can, it was, I'm always like, what? Huh? I can't hear for shit, man. And you know, shows like mission of Burma, so good. So worth it. Glad. But I mean, I kind of, to leave early just because they were fucking up with my hearing so much we 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 stuck it out because they're really great they're great artists but man i i felt that shit for a while for a uh -huh. while and just uh -huh. thinking about like loud shows in general too in just new york um i saw ministry there in like 2006 at bb kings that was a small intimate venue um and oh my gosh but i was right by the speaker and uh-huh with for no ministry, fucking no? earplug for ministry with <laughs> no earplugs and so guess who had to go to the doctor the next day with an earache this bitch oh like, no oh, my god fucking crazy and then again working in an industry you know doing you know actually working in concerts and shit i i've gotten a lot better oh, no. definitely put a layer 
but it was so worth it. <laughs> right? It was so worth it. So worth it. It's uh, it's crazy how it doesn't take like a long or exposed period to affect your hearing. Yeah. So learned yeah. that having seen so many of these shows, but I know, um, yeah, I know we both <laughs> these after effects that just seem like they go on forever and it's so bad. Uh, Music is life. You know, yeah, I'll never forget <laughs> the last show. And then I guess it was a few years after this and mm-hmm. a friend invited me to see Mission of Burma. They were doing a waterfront show in Williamsburg. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So there was these great waterfront shows uh, that were happening around then. And I remember I almost hesitated to even go because I remember my hearing was never the same. Oh, after no, of course, you're star. Show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. After scared. that mm-hmm. show in the Music Hall of Williamsburg. And then I realized, like, okay, they're, they're outside this time. So I think this is a different scenario. This feels safer. So I ended up going to that one. Yeah. Of course, it was a great show, and they just blasted, you know, the whole borough. <laughs> yeah, they gave that shit down to fucking Bay Ridge, I'm sure. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they were like, whatever, we're Pretty doing loud. it. Um, so that was pretty hilarious. And then um, what I had learned that kind of just ties all of this together as well. So it was in 1983, and it was after mm-hmm. uh, Mission Burma released uh, their album Versus, and they ended up disbanding for the first time. And it was because mm-hmm. of Roger Miller's tinnitus. Which, yeah. And so in, they were very open about the fact that he got this because of their notoriously loud live concerts. They wow. were straight up about it. They're like, look, guys, this is why Shit. we have to stop. Um, and so in these subsequent <laughs> tours, they ended mm-hmm. up doing, though, Roger had started switching his kind of uh, standard small foam earplugs to uh, their rifle range earphones on stage. And that kind of became his signature. Oh, like the headset, right? That's what you mean? It's like a full rifle yeah, range, rifle range okay. headphones. Yeah. If you look up, yeah, even old clips on YouTube, he's wearing oh. those because he realized, okay. was like, oh man, maybe it's like yeah. a tragedy when you're, uh, your own sword takes you down. Uh, but they realized they're like, it's our shows that, that did this to us. No, I mean, of course, it kind of reminds me of, like, Sound of Metal, man. Have you seen that movie? That's wild. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Sound of Metal about the uh, the drummer who's a metal musician, and his earring goes out, and he has to get a surgery to get it back. Anyway, that's another side note. But, man, that's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as far as when it first started getting into live music, I just never thought about damage it could do, right? That's crazy. That's so crazy. It's so ironic. That that's why right? they split. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Wow. Poor so, Roger. <laughs> so really tying it, yeah, tied it all together for us, figuring that out, and uh, yeah. and of course feeling uh, badly for him, although he kind of figured out origin what was happening to his ears. So did it to be like, oh. <laughs> be like, what's happening? So again, just kind of an amazing little full circle story. And then also, you guys might think, oh, man, this name, Roger Miller, like this sounds so mm-hmm. familiar, right? Mm-hmm. This does. is, of course, we're talking about, we're talking about punks, Roger Miller. We're talking about a distinct Roger Miller, not yes. to be confused with, with country star 
Roger yeah. Miller. Old school. <laughs> separate worlds. Separate worlds. Old school country star. Roger Miller, of whom uh, I'm actually a big fan. I actually love oh, his yeah. stuff, too. Yeah, he's great. Mm -hmm. um, and for those who might not know, he wrote King of the Road, Dang Me, Chug-a-Lug in the Summertime. Mama, man of means, by no means, King of the Road. And then they brought him on for Disney's Robin Hood soundtrack he did that one really this what i didn't yeah. know that like uh oh. if you remember uh not not in nottingham it's called uh -huh. on the robin hood soundtrack like all that was him and he's vocals for okay. all those well i don't do disney you know that but that's fair I'm gonna... <laughs> i just didn't know he was involved that's cool yeah right. yeah so he's kind of he was a renaissance man he did a lot mm -hmm. uh just a little factoid for those who might say oh i'd like to get to know somebody yeah. else well he was great and Ooh. so he did kind of this old school country. It was kind of blended Americana style. And you've probably heard him on the radio. You've probably heard him in ads, uh, yeah, his music yeah. placed in ads. And for, sure. for those who might want to learn more in addition to checking out his music uh, for this Roger Miller, I'd highly recommend the biography Ain't Got No Cigarettes. Uh, and it's a account of his life. He's got some, he just had a really colorful life and some crazy stories in there. So. That's an aside that I would recommend for folks who maybe want to get to Mission of Burma and maybe want to get into Country's Roger Miller after listening to this episode. Yeah, man. Roger Square, dude. Um, <laughs> so, yay. I learned something from you today, Stephanie. Oh, this is wonderful. And on that <laughs> note of folks with like similar names, I need to make a correction. So in episode 10, um, I was talking about the Cecil Hotel and its affiliation with murder and in particular Richard Ramirez. So he is a serial killer um, that would go and hang out at the Cecil after his killing sprees. Now I am dumb and I said Robert Rodriguez in the episode. Robert Rodriguez is a fellow San Antonian and he is a UT alum just like myself but he's a fucking Hollywood badass. He directs badass movies like El Mariachi. We all love Spy Kids. Um, you know, he's teamed up with Quentin Tarantino. He's the shit. And I apologize because those are two totally separate people and I'm embarrassed. But anywho, Robert, I'm sorry. I just had to say that, Stephanie. Oh my I gosh. think that's <laughs> I think that's I think that's great. And I'm sure he Because he's the first uh, he just the uh, the RR. It's, it's just yeah. R squared. Oh. Oh, totally. And we were covering a lot of ground in that episode, too. We were. We frankly. were. So the fact that you even remembered it later, be like, oh, man, what did I just slip at the tongue happen to say? Not that you yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Different. Yeah. I mean, like, you're a longhorn, too. You love Robert Rodriguez just as much as I do, man. And you didn't awesome. catch it. So <laughs> no. anyway, I might just call myself out, but I don't give a shit. I needed to correct that because <laughs> that's going to go with me to my grave. Fair. And yeah. Yeah. I had to correct that. Yeah, so go back and listen to that episode, guys, because it's a great one. Yeah, episode 10, Hotel California. We get into a lot of fun facts. That's what you can, uh, if you want to go back and catalog, and go to that one next if you'd like. Yeah, for sure. So we really covered a lot of ground in this episode, too. Kind of ran the gamut, and I felt like shared our own stories in addition to sort of this crazy, crazy history. Really appreciating new folks listening to us. Appreciate those yes. who have also stuck with us uh, since the beginning and 
give us feedback and what they really like and what they're really enjoying. That's super helpful. We love to hear from you. You can email us at stephaniestalktunes at gmail.com anytime. Of course, you can also uh, follow us on our social platforms. Reach out to us there. We are Stephanie's Talk Tunes on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And then we're Stephanie's Talk on Twitter because they make us truncate the length of the handle. <laughs> of course, we're difficult. And I uh, want to also just say thanks for those who reviewed the yes, podcast on you. Apple Podcasts. It so helps and it's so uh, nice of folks to do that. So I just want to give gratitude for that. If you want to feel inclined to drop a review, that would be wonderful. And we appreciate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you for those that came out. Um, I'm looking forward to episode 12, but I got to go. Bye. Stop, guys. Get vaccinated. Love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.